My name's Sarah. And I'm Stacy Joe. And we are those, those weirdos from Michigan. And it's so bright today. We are on all social medias. The links are down below and all that jazz. If you want to follow us, cool. If not, then you're not going to get all the updates. And I'm sorry to say, you want to know the updates. Yeah, for sure. Or you're just going to be in the dark when we tell you. You're going to be like, what? What's up? What? What's going on? What's up? Who dat? <laughs> Who dare? <laughs> Who dare? <laughs> knock, knock. So we have some updates on Patreon. We have all of season one on there finally. Nice. And Sarah has a vlog up there. That's me. Yes. <laughs> and we also have Healthy Retail. And I did a little vidy vidy video. Did you see it, sis? I did not. I have been out of social podcast world for a minute. That's okay. Sometimes we need a break. Right. I did a little shopping trip with you guys on Amazon. So go ahead and check that out. The link is also down below. Nice. I think if Wendy would have saw that little video I did, she might have not gone out and uh, rented a hitman. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. And if you don't know what we're talking about, check out last week's episode. Try not to laugh. It is freaking funny. It's hilarious. I w- I'm not even going to lie. I listened to it like five times to cheer myself uh, up. Yeah, I've done it too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're going to do a little something different for you guys today. Stacy's going to still have a story. So stay tuned. Are you ready, Steph? I'm so ready. You look a little, what's wrong with Sarah today? <laughs> <laughs> my brain is fried, okay? I'm just kind of wondering <laughs> what you're up to because you're my big sister. I just think that we should give some people some motivation. But first, I want to know how your week was. My week was good. I did DoorDash, you know, because uh, a woman got it. Any stories? Hustler got a hustle. You know what I'm saying? Did you go to a strip I club? I didn't go to a strip club. It was kind of a, a short day, but it worked out. I don't know. I, I started up a new podcast that you know of. Yes, and I'm gonna interview I'm you. Excited about it. Is yes. so. This is another baby. It's another baby. It's another baby. I'm just squishing out of me. Yes, 
I can't wait to talk about yes. it. Yes. It's going to be so much fun. I know. Yes. It's going to be exciting. So, so awkwardness. Do you want to talk about it now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can I can skip to that part. That's cute. Let's um. It. Well, I want to know about, about your week. I don't want to seem like oh, a you know. I really do want to know about your week. How'd it go? I gotta scroll back up. <laughs> <laughs> you can't remember this. No, I have brain oh. mofo because of long haul COVID. Man, I am terrible. So. I filled up the tank on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, okay. with Melanie in the dark, and I was glad she was with me because I hate getting gas in the dark. Filled my tank up. And the next day, Brian took it to Ann Arbor and drove all around and left me with no gas on Tuesday. So, <laughs> I do my grocery shopping, and I think I have this... I think I have this uh, full tank of gas. And guess what? No. I had like hardly any gas. So by the time I got to Adrian, it was like range low, range low, range low. I'm like, oh shit. Oh shit, shit. Shit, 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 shit. (laughs) So I pull into Walmart, right? Everybody and their mom is at Walmart to get gas. Let me tell you, I needed to be there because I didn't want to run out of gas. So I had to pull behind this dude, and of course, as soon as I pulled behind him, one minute later, everybody pulls out of their stations. <laughs> there is so many empty slots to go to, but in my experience... Sarah's, Sarah's Truman Show. <laughs> when I back out and go to one of those slots, one of two things is going to happen. <laughs> yep. I'm going to have a very awkward moment with somebody else. Yep. Because they're going to want that spot too. So I'm going to back up (laughs) and try to find another spot. And they're all going to be filled by that time. Yes. That's happened to me before. So I just decided to stay there. (laughs) Yep. This poor guy, this poor guy ahead of me, (laughs) just staring. I swear he was staring at me. But it could have just been my brain. I'm not sure. And the guy goes and he has to pay for his gas. So I'm still sitting there. I'm still sitting there at the pump with all these other empty ones. And I could clearly just go and go to a different one. But I just didn't want to take that chance. So the guy gets done and he's still kind of staring at me like, oh, my God, why don't you just move? And. I'm just looking at my phone awkwardly, but then he finally drives off and I go into the pump. I get out of the car and then I get ready for the gas, put it in. My finger gets stuck on that little grippy, grippy thing where you just want to keep it going. I have a scab right now. It was bruised on my finger and it was gushing blood. And I was like, holy shit, I have to tell this story because this is just like a Saturday. Let me tell you what. But did you find anything to be grateful for? Okay, I'm getting there. <laughs> there there's a comical little moment that made my day. And you're going to love it, sis. Okay. okay. We have Ready Whip in the fridge. 
<laughs> that is what I'm grateful for. <laughs> <laughs> so when you got home, you went. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> and that made your whole day. All better. That made my whole day. Actually, my favorite part was when I uh, asked Brian if he wanted some ready whip. I tried to pour it all in his mouth, right? It wouldn't come out. It was just like little sprays here and there. So I shake it. <laughs> and too much came out. And so him and I just stood there and stared at each other. And he had like terror in his eyes. And then I had terror in my eyes. And I go... Oh, that was too much. (laughs) I really wish I was a fly on the wall for that one. Yes. So, of course, he starts laughing and he can't get the ready whip down his throat and it's just coming out of his mouth. And I'm like, oh, boy. And I start laughing harder. And I'm like, this is how you will die. I know this is kind of the instance where you're going to die. Death by ready whip. That's how it's going to go. (laughs) so that was what i was grateful for (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) you know sis i think i'm gonna die by your hands in some accidental way (laughs) death by cabinet because listen guys okay so i went out on a date with my sis we went to, what, Garfield's, I think? Garfield's, yes. When it was open. And we ordered tea, because we have tea. We have tea <laughs> with some lemon, unsweet. And it was so freaking hot out. I was so thirsty when I got in. And this girl here cracks a joke in front of my date. Hell yeah. As I'm gulping gulping tea. And what do I do? I start, it starts coming out of my nose. I'm choking on it. And all of a sudden, I'm full on, like, barfing all over my white shirt and I get white nasty tea gunk all over my shirt and she's just like she's always doing shit like that though who brings their sister on a date (laughs) this is what you get this girl (laughs) well you're funny for one but uh I didn't make your date puke I don't know Well, let's just say I haven't dated the most mm, comical, funny guys. He was pretty comical, but he had his moments. Maybe he's just off his uh, rocker that day. I don't know. (laughs) You look like you're having a bit of a struggle there. (laughs) Tiny bit of a struggle. Life is just one big struggle. Let's talk about this. I am a hot (laughs) mess. Okay. A haunt mess. Yes, you are. Nope, you still look like a ghost. It's not working out. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be one hell of a video, let me tell you guys. You're going to just be like laughing your ass off. That's why you need to be on Patreon. Yes, you do. We're funny bitches. Yes. So are you ready for me to interview our weirdo of the day? Ah, uh, yes. Okay, Stacy. Yes. Tell us about your new podcast. Okay. So you all know me as being super happy and positive all the time. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I figured why not try to implement some things myself by researching it myself and also helping you along the way. 
So I came up with Revealing Your Manifestation, also with my big sister's help um, in helping me name this because it took me like two whole days to figure it out. Definitely go over there, check it out. It is Revealing, R-E-V-E-I-L-I-N-G, Your Manifestation. And right now we have season one, Mind Blown. Yes, I'm so excited. Her first episode's very calming. You got to listen to it before you go to bed. You'll you'll just feel so much better in the morning. Oh, that's so sweet. I yes. appreciate that. So what is it going to be about? It's laws of attraction, how to use the universe into working for your favor and bunch of other stuff. It's just going to be a whole positive um, way to look at things and help you get along and be successful in life and actually be grateful for it. Yeah, absolutely. What does that name mean to you, your podcast name? Revealing your manifestation means to me kind of uncovering the truth behind your mind. We always have like a cover that gets us through the day and keeps us going. But is it always positive? No, sometimes people just go on anger and that just manifests more. So it's basically just kind of like opening up your mind to possibilities. Gotcha. That's what that means to me. And the misspelling of it? The misspelling is like the play on words. When we think of a veil, it's kind of like something that covers, mm -hmm. right? You're reveiling to see another perspective gotcha. than what that veil is showing you in your manifestation for your life. Yeah. Well, you're going to do some so, witchy stuff with it too, aren't you? As well, yes. Um, I'm going to be doing some tarot reading, some horoscopes. That's where we're moving all that instead of here. And I really think it's a better place for it just because it's it's more speaking about the universe and, and how to alter the stars into your favor. Gotcha. How can people find your podcast? Just go to Revealing Your Manifestation on Spotify. I believe it is on Apple now and not quite on Stitcher yet, but I'm still just figuring it out. It's like, you know, how like when we first started, it's going to take me a minute to get everything going. But yes, you'll you'll get it. You'll get it. So what do you think is the most challenging thing about parenting while having anxiety and depression? I would say the most challenging thing is like when your kids don't listen, I know that I have to take a, a step back and just take a breather sometimes. My poor kids, man, they get a lecture and everything because there's so much going on in my brain that I want to teach them. Right. And I think that's another thing that goes along with anxiety and depression. So helping them push past learning how to do the everyday things in life and having anxiety and depression, it's really, really hard, especially in today's world. Yeah. Because you're judged consistently as a mother. It's disgusting. It pisses me off. It's not right. I'm sorry parenting doesn't come with a damn handbook. No. You either, you either roll the dice and see how it goes or you don't. Yeah. It's all based on decision at that point. And it's a very stressful decision because you don't know who's going to be out there running their mouth and treating you like crap because of what you're doing. So 
that makes it really hard for somebody with anxiety and depression being a parent. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. You obviously love your kids no matter what, unless you're a psycho. Right. You love your kids. You don't want anything to happen to them. Society considers me a free-range mom because I don't bubble my kids as much as other people would. It doesn't mean I don't care about them. It just means that I want them to be self-sufficient. And independent. And independent. Yeah. And the more that you hold their hand and the more that you do things for them, you're really just hindering them in the long run. Absolutely. I agree. I can agree 100% with you. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely hard being a mom with anxiety and depression. But you know what? I don't think I'd have nearly the anxiety or depression being a mom if society wasn't such a piece of shit sometimes. Because we didn't grow up that way. Our parents didn't grow up that way. Why do we have to do this to our kids? It doesn't, it's, life isn't any different besides social media. I almost think our generation, the beginning of the millennials, are a lot like how you and I see parenting. Because I don't see Keegan's friends being as bubbled as the kids before him. True. That's just what I'm observing. Yeah. What do you do to overcome the obstacles of getting out of bed in the morning? And how do you take that dreaded first step into living your life to the fullest? Well, I try to start thinking about what I'm grateful for and what's going to motivate me for that day. Also, my kids are a big, you know, they're a big motivator getting up to see their smile and get them off for the day, you know, to school. And, you know, just every day can be a gift if you look at it that way. Um, and it's really hard for me because I I do struggle with anxiety and depression and fibromyalgia, which really freaks me out, <laughs> to say the very least. Yeah. But I still have to keep moving on and I still have to keep moving forward and I still have to see the brightness of what the universe is offering that day and be thankful for it. Yeah. And you probably feel like this podcast is going to help you with coping with it as well as others. Absolutely. And what better journey than to take it with friends? Absolutely. It's yeah. always, and this is going to be a road trip of the mind with buddies. You know, just keep moving forward and, and hold each other's hand and get through it. Right. And I mean, Stacy and I don't claim to be masters of anxiety or anything like that. We're just taking some information that we've learned along the way and passing it on to you weirdos that may have depression, anxiety. I think 40% of adults in America struggle with it. So there is a good chance that if you're breathing, you do have anxiety of some sort. Yes, absolutely. And and I especially now I'm a big believer that people who've been through it and go through it are the best teachers. Yeah, I agree too. Because we teach ourselves to cope. We teach ourselves to keep moving forward. You know, it's not ever the counselor that does it. It's not ever anyone else that does it. It comes from within inside you. That's what cracks the code. Well, thank you. I appreciate you telling us all about it. I'm so excited for you. And yeah. I love that you're going rogue fantastically. Yes. I am, but I, I'm still here too. So it works out. Well, I have some goodies for the end of your story if you want to go first. Okay. Sounds good. 
So, guys, I have decided to do a story on the Northville Tunnels. Trigger warning to be aware. You don't want to get caught in your underwear. My story is on the Northville Tunnels and Psychiatric Hospital in Northville, Michigan. Did you just fucking shoot me? That is not the question that you want to hear from your best friend. Whom just shot you while trying to ghost hunt? I feel like this is our scenario right here. (laughs) Yes, yes, already. This week, I got a weird story right here from Michigan out of the haunted Northville Tunnels and Psychiatric Hospital location in Northville, Michigan. I didn't get much information on how it's haunted, but... I did get a weird weird story. Also, I watched the movie It Follows on Netflix. This movie was filmed near the location. It is a very good horror movie. It is about these people who have sex and something follows them and tries to kill them. They catch something, but it isn't an STD. Check into it. I highly recommend. No spoilers. That sounds interesting. A little back history on this place. First, before I release the story that he wrote. Northville Psychiatric Hospital. With the network of mental hospitals being crowded, breaking down, and not having proper updated things for patients, a new hospital was desperately needed in the southeast Michigan and and Northville had a hospital for feeble children. It ended up being chosen for the new psychiatric unit in the 1940s and opened up in 1952. Northville Psychiatric Hospital had 20 buildings chilling on 453 wooded swampy acres. It was proposed that it was one of the best psychiatric hospitals in the country when it opened its doors. There was a different building for different psychological problems around the campus with an eight-story tower on the north side. This place was pimping with self-sufficient areas such as laundry, kitchen, gymnasium, movie theater, swimming pool, and bowling alley. Powered by a steam plant, which supplied electricity and heat through a supply of underground tunnels. Northville Hospital was one of the first hospitals to use the art of music and art as medicine. From learning to play musical instruments, putting on plays, to studying mechanics or home economics, Patients even worked in the hospital facilities and tended the grounds. In the 1970s, the state began to trim the mental budget, closing some hospitals and reducing programs offered as doctors began relying on medicine and drugs to treat the symptoms. So instead of, you know, using music and, you know, the stuff that's less terrible for your body, let's just pump them full of medicine and get done with it. That's usually how it goes. Because that's less costly. Right, I know. So, Northville began to get crowded. The hospital at the time was treating 1,000 patients but was only able to house 650. Some patients took up residence in the gymnasium until more rooms became available. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It is, totally. It pissed me off when I was writing this. Like, I was getting all fired up and shit. Budgeting and staffing cuts began to surface in the hospital in the 1980s. The Detroit News began investigating in 1983 and found that the conditions at the hospital were appalling. 
superb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reporters saw patients sleeping in the hallways of wards, chain smoking cigarettes, or watching TV. They claimed that they were receiving little in the way of therapeutic treatment, with doctors relying on large doses of drugs. Assault, theft, racism, neglect, and rape were common. Patients were sometimes dying during struggles and fights they've had with staff or other patients. Patients always tried to escape. It became common for the Johnsons and the Smiths to see the escapees having a midnight stroll through their backyard. Sometimes they were even found at the local restaurants and mall. In 2002, the state announced that it was going to close Northville's doors within a year. The hospital was very expensive to keep it going for the very few hundred patients still living there. It was sitting on a very valuable, undeveloped piece of land as the property market was skyrocketing. Patients were very uneasy the last few weeks of the hospital, shutting down, not knowing where they were going to or when. The last patient left on May 16, 2003 after which a very small crew of staff began shutting down the hospital's operations for the last time. Right after the shutdown, the state didn't waste any time in trying to sell the property. It had a value of over $70 million, expecting that the property would sell almost immediately. The sale of the Northville property would drag on for just about 10 years. Developers fought each other over the actual value and what to do with it. Consistently buyers buying, then backing out because of them discovering that the hospital site was heavily polluted with medical waste, oil, arsenic, barium, lead, and other chemicals. Jeez. Large amounts of asbestos would have to be removed from all 20 buildings before they could be tore down. The underground tunnel system also harboring the waste, adding to the cleanup. They finally made a sale in 2006 for less than half of the original price at $31 million. Wow. In July that year, the new owner took on an $800 million housing and retail development for the site called Highwood. This included 1,000 houses, restaurants, office buildings, senior houses, condos, parks, and a school. Construction was supposed to start in 2008, but once again, that fell through because the township worried about the size and scope of the project. They stopped the plan in 2007 on the grounds that it was just too big, igniting yet again another court battle that fall. In October 2007, the new owner applied for and received permits for four mobile homes on the hospital grounds just for housing site security. The township found out a few weeks later that he was illegally renting out houses to families at $650 a month, firing up yet again more lawsuits in the area. While the court battles continued their wars, the new owner began logging operations on the eastern side of the hospital property. This area was heavily wooded with trees as old as 200 years old. The township eventually ended up making a deal with the new owner by buying three-fourths of the property for $21 million and turned it into a park. While the new owner was free to do whatever he wanted with the remaining 80 acres or so. And that is about as far as it went leading up to today. 
big announcements for the land started in 2012. Northville Township announced an $82 million plan that would convert to 349 acres into a large nature preserve and activity park. The forest and wetlands would be upgraded to hiking and biking trails while the hospital buildings would be demolished. Stating there would be a community center, pool house, mountain biking trails, a snow hill made out of recycled hospital material, a pond that could double as an ice rink, a state park, a great lawn with a band shell, and even an energy park with demonstrations of wind turbines. Wow. Do you feel better now? <laughs> <laughs> There's always positive at the end of the light. Yes. <laughs> Limited demolition work has begun at two of the most contaminated parts of the hospital, the steam plant and maintenance buildings, with the help of grants and other government agencies. Progress won't be likely seen for several years. The funds have to be raised. The University of Michigan said they were building a 100,000-square-foot ambulatory care facility on the retailed parcel owned by REIS, which is the former owner. The hospital has been vacant for almost 10 years now. Broken windows and leaking roofs have opened the hospital, buildings to the elements and wildlife, and also explorers. The township is not happy with outsiders or explorers and likes to say they are trespassers. My friend who has written the story I am about to share with you was an explorer to the Northville Tunnels and Psychiatric Hospital. Weird story number three. This is a weird story. Here is his story. It's 3 o'clock a.m., Friday the 13th, July 2006. And I have just been shot at point-blank range by my best friend. Unlike most stories you hear that take place on this particularly superstitious, rarely occurring day, this story is every bit of 100% truth and facts. I can sit here and read the newspaper article and tell you verbatim the story according to the media who never once took a comment from me. The victim. The amputee to be. But what the fuck do they know? I suppose I'll take this opportunity to put you in my shoes and take you through the night as best as I can remember it. Bear with me. This is the most time I've spent recapping this night. Let's see how I do. I'd have to guess it was about 2.45 a.m. when the four of us all decided on going to the abandoned Northville Psychiatric Hospital on Thursday, the day before one of the most memorable nights of my life. The hospital sits right inside of Northville on its border with Livonia on the southwest corner of Seven Mile and Haggerty Road. The best way to put into perspective just how big this hospital and its properties are would be to have to have you imagine a square mile of woods with about 13 random three-story buildings that still contain the oddities and evidence of inhumane treatment. In the middle of the property, there stood a 14-story hospital where sickness of the mind was the only ailment being treated here. Underneath the property is where things get undeniably creepy. The Northville Tunnels. 
underground tunnels that linked the main hospital to all the other buildings on the square mile property were used for the safe transfer of patients from any point to another within the property. The first night went as well as it could have. It was spent exploring the main hospital, the gymnasium, which were accommodated with a regulation-sized hardwood basketball court with bleachers, an Olympic-sized lap pool, which had been drained, and at least six to seven buildings in which the functional purpose of the buildings were difficult to put a label on. Our exploring resulted us finding a few thrift shop-like gems, a Sega Genesis with two controllers, which seemed to be functional. All the buttons gave you that subtle click when pressed to let you know it's registering properly. So I made it a point to put that in my backpack. We also found a bass guitar and a set of billiards balls that, by the looks of them, have never felt the coarse, chalky tip of a cue stick. What we would do is Lance would park his two-door Cavalier across the street in a condominium parking lot. And once he found a dark area to park in John, my best friend, Lance, my best friend's brother, Jesse, my girlfriend at the time, and my two-legged self would cross with ninja-like stealth across the street onto the hospital property. I don't know about them, but that's when the thrill of not knowing what I was about to see or experience caused my adrenal floodgates to burst open and end a tidal wave of adrenaline through my body. Once inside, I found myself numerous times having to tune my mental equalizer and attempt to drown out the sound of my pounding heart beating like a drum. This high I was experiencing seemed to go on for the duration of the night. Constantly wondering if the lights we saw shining in through road-facing windows were just headlights of a car or the flashlight bulbs of police officers. We ended the night with some abandoned building swag, but deep down, we all wanted to go home with a life-changing, otherworldly type of encounter with anything that could be labeled as paranormal. When we all decided to leave is when I began analyzing the night that I just had. And while I tried profiling my thoughts, I tried to replace the disappointing thoughts of not having a ghostly encounter with the thoughts of having a unique once-in-a-lifetime experience with the three friends I cared about most at the time. At some point, soon after the foundation of my future nostalgic thoughts had been erected, is when that Sega Genesis popped into my head. John, Jesse, and Lance may have just been part of the one of the most memorable nights of my life. But I break the silence, not knowing how any of them were recapping their night with the dibs on the Sega fuckers and gave all three of their deer-in-the-headlights-looking faces a big old grin that stretched across my face as much as physically possible. I'm pretty sure they knew I was subliminally rubbing in the fact that I was going to be the one going home with the prize to be had based on their stone chiseled looks of utter frustration. This may be the point where this night comes to an end, but the story, but the story is far from over. I like the story. <laughs> the story. The story is far from over, guys. I love the story. It's the next night, Friday, just around the same time, but this isn't just any Friday. 
It's Friday the 13th. That poor guy. Once again, it's another boring, uneventful night. So considering last night's lack of things that go bump in the night, what else were we to do other than to go back? We filed into Lance's two-door Chevy Cavalier with John in the passenger seat, Jesse and myself sitting in the back with her sitting on the passenger side and myself behind Lance on the driver's side. It was only a five-mile drive to the abandoned facility. Getting there didn't take long at all. Lance pulled into the condominiums and drove around the main building in a coastal-like fashion to avoid any unwanted attention. Once we closed in the same park space that we used the night prior, Lance killed the headlights and we pulled into a spot, which in hindsight now seems to be one of the darkest places I've ever been in my life. I have no memory of anything having any other hue than that black or gray. Wow. As I replay the memory of what happens next, I can feel the hairs on my neck to rise and stand in orderly fashion from my shoulders to my head, as well as this tingly feeling that moves in what feels like the same way a bolt of lightning would move from a storm cloud down to the unsuspecting ground. A strong, powerful strand of electricity continuously splitting as it descends from the sky. And what began as a single lightning bolt ends with hundreds of electrified capillaries painting the sky with a spider web like silhouette that disappears faster than it had appeared. Nice wordplay, dude. dude. He is an amazing writer. Amazing writer. I love it. Once John and Lance got out of the car, John shut his door, and Jesse and I were anxiously waiting for Lance to prop his seat forward so we could exit as well. As soon as my left leg was firmly placed on the ground, I put one hand on the window frame and the other hand on the headrest of the seat for leverage and maneuvered my way out of the car. It seemed like simultaneously my right leg took the last step it would ever take as I stood upright when Lance's glock went off. The sound of Lance's gun going off in the silence of the night scared me almost as much when I realized the bullet was deep inside my calf muscle, which took a few seconds to realize. I'm going to assume you haven't the slightest idea what being shot must feel like, look like, or even smell like. Well, let me try to explain. In cases where people are shot and are not expecting it, will more likely feel the wetness of their blood-soaked clothes before they know they are shot. A bullet reaches speeds capable of cauterizing flesh, which cause the nerve endings that would normally tell your brain that you are in excruciating pain to shut down and not send any feedback to your brain, causing a delay in the realization of being shot and a brief period of time where your brain works double time to understand what is happening to your body. Then there's the situation where the bullet doesn't exit the body, and this makes things a little more dreadful. Imagine you're stoking a fire and a red-hot coal rolls out of the fire, and instead of carefully placing it back into the fire, you decided to place it neatly inside yourself. 
don't forget to imagine that your sense of smell is going to be working tenfold as well. And on top of having the feeling of a hot coal inside you, it's an indescribable smell that is very unique to the situation. It's a sensory memory I could live without. I can't watch a movie or a documentary where, you know, the scent of burning human flesh is in the air, and then my memory comes back like I'm reliving the experience. Got a little PTSD. Yes. What made me first realize something was tremendously wrong is when I turned my head over my shoulder towards the sound of the gun going off, and what I saw was the arterial spray from my leg, which was caused by a bullet taking out two or three of my arteries and my calf at eye level. This is the point where I realized this night is going downhill really fast. Once I visually follow the rooster tail of blood, I pinpointed where I'd been shot on the outside of my right calf, just under my knee, And from what I could feel, I would have to say the bullet was about three inches above my ankle on the opposite side of my leg where I'd been shot. This is just about the time I turned around and faced Lance and muttered the words, Did you just fucking shoot me? To Lance. And without him saying a word, I could tell by the look on his face, he had indeed shot me. What I experienced next was anything but what one might have experienced considering I was with my two best friends and my girlfriend. Immediately after using his belt as a tourniquet around my lower thigh, Lance disappeared, leaving this pair of hysterical would-be heroes to tend to my not-so-apparent needs. Come to find out during Lance's absence, he was calling an EMT friend. He was planning on having this acquaintance of his come and take me to the hospital instead of dealing with the police. From my understanding, his grand scheme, he was going to have this EMT friend of his show up and get me to the hospital, and upon arriving in the emergency room, they were going to say I was a victim of a drive-by. While Lance was scheming how he was getting out of this pickle he got himself into, John and Jesse were running up and down Seven Mile, knocking on doors trying to get help. They said that after trying about 10 houses, finally they got someone to answer and they were able to call 911. This is the point where I accepted that this just may be the end of my 20 years of life. My personal experience with near death was a surprisingly pleasant one considering this was the point that I was laying on my back with my foot resting on the driver's seat in a fruitless attempt to slow the monsoon of crimson that was violently escaping the arteries that once carried the blood from my leg back into my body. Shock was surely setting in at this point. As I lay there looking from side to side, I'm thinking about how much blood I could possibly have left inside me. My situation seems quite dire, and I close my eyes, and sometimes shortly thereafter, I could hear the faint sound of sirens in the off distance. This is when the real circus begins. I wonder why his friend's first thought was, I don't want to go to jail. I feel like if I shot you, I would call 911 immediately. Yeah. That's, you know, that is something that I thought about, too. I'm like, now, why would you not? Like, it was clearly an accident. Right. And, I mean, while it was a very stupid accident, um, he, yeah, you know, your friend's dying. Why are you more worried about your own hind end than getting your friend some help who, 
I mean, sorry if he dies. I mean, yeah, that's definitely going to be on your back. You know what I mean? I don't understand that at all. Me neither. After a couple minutes of the police being on scene, I start to freak out because I can hear Lance and the officer talking, but there's no sign of EMTs yet, and I'm pretty sure it was because the cops knew they weren't getting the real story, and they needed to know what was going on before they bring the EMTs into the picture. Being surrounded by emergency responders and going without medical attention must be something like dying of thirst while floating in an ocean where you are 100% surrounded by the one thing that could save you had it not been undrinkable. Finally, their attention falls on me, and before they could say anything, I just started yelling, He just shot me! It was an accident! I need fucking help! I know Lance was trying to stick with the drive-by story, and I had gathered that's why I was lacking any medical attention. I lose consciousness for what would end up being the next two days, maybe with all of the sudden excitement and my current condition. That's why I passed out, leaving my life in the hands of complete strangers. John and Jesse went home. Lance was arrested and bonded out the next day, which could only be the only bit of jail time he would see for his crime. What happened to me that night would lay the foundation for the man I am today. I don't live with any regrets or judges. Life is too short and too precious of a gift to waste it on hatred and self-pity. I make the best of my situation and surprise people all the time with the things I'm capable of. It is what it is and life goes on. But that's my story of Friday the 13th, 2006. Well, Lieutenant Dan, that is quite a story. And that's what they call him is Lieutenant Dan. Oh my gosh. I couldn't imagine being shot in the leg by my best friend. I know. It's definitely a good story and very uplifting, and it's great to give people hope. You don't have a leg, but yet you still live life to its fullest. That is amazing. Yeah. We can learn a lot from Lieutenant Dan. That is amazing. I I am so inspired by you, and I'm so glad you shared that with us. And I know that was pretty hard to tell. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right, I got a little som-som I've been working on. All right, got a teachable moment for you all. So you guys know that I have anxiety and depression, just like sis. And this week I learned about time management. So I'm going to talk to you guys about that while having anxiety and depression and how you can manage your time a little bit better. And then I'm going to give you some weird facts about time. Of course, I have to do that. So, uh, I hope you guys all enjoy this. I'm probably going to give you some homework, but it's to better your life. I am a busy person, as you all know. I have a full-time job, plus I got the podcast, and I've been editing videos, and I've been trying my hardest to give you all the best content, and Sis has been helping too, but I just want to let you know I read up on a few articles and I listen to a few podcasts on time management for busy people. And I did this for one straight week, sis. And I got to tell you, I've had more free time, actually, even though it doesn't look like I have time to watch Netflix and stuff. Mm -hmm. I actually have been watching, well, not Netflix, but Prime, uh, Mm -hmm. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I love that show. Nice. I was able to get a lot, and I mean a lot, of things done. And I felt more confident 
and I feel less stressed, even though I've had some, you know, unfortunate events, but that's just my life. Right. So I don't know about you, but I mean, do you ever feel out of control? All the time, actually. If you're listening to our podcast and you like us by now, I'm sure you can relate to us and you are the type of person that feels out of control sometimes because we're relatable, right? Yeah. So uh, I got some tips and tricks and weird facts about time. Did you already get that part? The weird facts about time? Okay. So, time management for all my anxious weirdos requires a challenge of you. I challenge you guys to go out to the dollar store and grab three things. I have some tools, and I will have some tools on my blog this week, so make sure you check that out. The links are down below, per use. This is the three things I want you to get. First, I want you to get a planner. I don't know about you guys, but in school, I had a planner, and I was more balanced as a teenager than I am now as an adult. You? Yes. Planning out your day does a couple things to your brain. You feel more in control when things feel so out of control. Having anxiety makes us feel like we have to do everything and be everywhere at the same time. Our brains can't pick one thing and we end up doing nothing or close to nothing. If we can plan on it, write it down, we can control it better. It gives us some kind of accountability to ourselves. It also gives us a routine. A routine gives us a sense of control too, but it can also create good habits for life. Planning out your morning, afternoon, evening, even your meals takes the pressure off yourself by writing out this plan. This is the routine. And you don't have to think about it anymore. It's just done. The next thing I want you guys to get is either like a to-do list or you can get just a notebook for your to-do list. And I know you guys are thinking, okay, damn, my grandmother does this. (laughs) (laughs) My mother does this. But yeah, they do do it, but it also works. Are you in business? Do you have goals or do you want to be successful in life? To-do lists are key. If you feel overwhelmed with tasks, put them in order. What is the most important thing you have to do today? Put them at the top. What is something that needs to be done but not right away? Put those in the middle. What is something that needs to be done eventually but can wait? Put those at the very end. Next is the most satisfying part. Checking them off. It's proven psychology and it's so magical. You will be able to breathe knowing that you got one thing that you wanted to get done out of the way. It could just be getting up and going. That is completely okay. Taking the first step to your day is important. When you check off more and more things off your list, you will get a natural mood booster for the rest of the day and you will feel more and more accomplished. This will also keep your accountability to yourself and create less chaotic thoughts in your brain. 
You might also be able to sleep better knowing that all the things that you have done for yourself and your future will feel brighter. The last thing I want you guys to get and the last challenge is a plain notebook. If you got that creative brain, then decorate it. If you don't have that creative brain, just leave it plain. That's fine. This will be your personal journal before you go to bed. Answer these questions. And you know what? When I was a teenager, I also had a journal. I would write in my diary daily. And I was more balanced. My brain was more balanced as a teenager. Yep. Okay, so I want you to answer these questions. And you might want to write these down. How did your day go? How did you feel having planned your day? Do I feel more accomplished? Why do I feel more accomplished? And what does this mean for tomorrow? What am I grateful for? Just like Lieutenant Dan finds gratefulness, you should be able to find gratefulness too. Absolutely. All of these three tools can help you cope with anxiety, depression, or any other mental burdens. I know, as well as Stacy knows, that doesn't go away. But mending it, you can help keep it at bay. Is it work? Yes. But I promise you, it's worth it. You are worth it. And your future is worth it. So, okay, guys. Sorry. Not sorry for the homework. But we know what it's like to have anxiety as moms. And we just want to help you weirdos feel better about life. There is so much to life. And we want you to live it to the fullest. Absolutely. So, with that... I'm going to talk about some weird time facts. All right. And I think you're going to be a little shocked. But some people might know this because I was like telling Keegan about it earlier. And he was like, Mom, I knew that. Mom, I knew that. So I was like, you go to school. (laughs) (laughs) So did you know that dinosaurs actually had 370 days in one year? Really? Yes. That is because the Earth's spin is actually getting slower and the moon's gravity is acting like a drag. That means that the days are getting longer by 1.7 milliseconds per century. Yeah. is that crazy? That is crazy. That so, is so cool. With that fact, the days are getting longer. We actually have leap seconds. The last leap second occurred on December 31st, 2016. Wow. Yeah. I never knew that. Me either. So can you imagine having a haunt mess of a bad day for two years? Mm, Nope. But I'm sure that it's happened. (laughs) Well, if you lived on Mercury, days last for two years. Whoa. Good thing we don't live there. No. <laughs> I would hate having a hot a haunt mess for two years. Me too. Uh, did you know that time actually passes slower the faster you move? 
So, if you moved at the speed of light to the star Sirius and came back to Earth, everyone, every person on this Earth would have aged 17 years, but you would only have aged two and a half years. Wow. Yeah. Do you ever get that feeling that time goes slower when you experience something completely new? Yeah. That's called the oddball effect. And I don't know about you, but after I had Keegan, it seems like as I grow older, time seems to go by faster. Yeah. And that's because we become familiar with our surroundings and time goes faster. That's the oddball effect. So when you Hmm. experience new things, it goes by slower because it's just your brain. That is my time facts. I hope you guys learn something yeah that's very interesting sis i definitely did that's awesome maybe you guys can incorporate that little homework in i hope so i'm 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 laying down the law here sarah from those weirdos of michigan gives you homework to better your life yeah your haunt mess of a life my haunt mess of a life become a haunt mess like me and yes. get your time management in order yes It only takes that first step. That first step. And you get to go shopping at the Dollar Tree. Any excuse to go shopping at the Dollar Tree is like, I'm down. (laughs) I'm down. Get her done. Get her done. (laughs) And don't be normal. Normal people scare us. And it's weird. It's very weird. Peace out, weirdos. I hope you have a wonderful week. Don't forget to check out Stacy's new podcast. Bye. Bye. Those weirdos from Michigan.